Hello, Goat Gabbers! On this week's episode, Cameron and I start the countdown to the 2021 ADGA National Show. Join us as we share our ideas on making entries, making plans, and show prep, ideas that can be helpful to you as you prepare for any big show. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another rendition of Goat Gab. As always, I'm Cameron. And I'm Laura, and we are happy to be here tonight. Yes, we survived a blistering weekend here in the Midwest, Laura, wouldn't you say? You know, it just blows my mind that here I was just a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, complaining about it being so cold at that show that I had to get a hotel room. And oh my goodness, this time it was so hot. I bet you almost would have paid for a hotel room just for the AC this time. Um, I did. <laughs> oh, it was, it was okay. more about the shower and, and I oh. had this, I was trying to be fun mom. And so I thought, you know, this is great. I've got two of my three daughters going with me. I'll get this hotel room, um, with a pool and none of us remembered our bathing suits and we really didn't have any time to swim anyway. So it was a good idea, but, um, it didn't happen. So, <laughs> Yeah, you always seem to make plans at a goat show. You think you're going to do something, and it doesn't really work out that way. I will say that right now. Like, for example, the last or this weekend we went, we got done showing. We got through like 350 animals by 6:30, which was very good time. You know, wow. I milked my goats, and Catherine had milked her goats, and we had all of them ready to go. And we were getting ready to go to dinner. We were going to go out and actually eat a sit down meal in our, and we were looking like a hot mess, like we'd just shown goats all day. We couldn't find the car keys. Oh, crap. <laughs> Turns out her car keys were in my show box. So, yeah, it was, we looked up forever for them, and then they finally looked in my show box. So, yeah, it was great. <laughs> don't you love it when you make plans to keep something someplace so you don't lose them, and then you forget where you put them so you lose them? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. It was a good goat show. I think let's just roll into talking about our goat shows this weekend. It was a good goat show, but it was hot. Did you have any animals or see anybody's animals not handle the heat very well? Yeah, I had a goat that, I I don't know, she's pretty dramatic in the barn, but I was showing her and she didn't really utter right, which I thought was kind of weird because normally she's a really, she's full on about eight hours of milk because we're milking three times a day now super strange. Uh, but I got her into the show ring and she just started breathing heavy and being more dramatic than she already was. So she, she didn't do very well in the class. So I was like, I'm just going to scratch you the rest of the day and go milk you out. So I'm walking back to the pens and obviously Catherine is there, um, which was phenomenal, but, um, she kind of just feels her heartbeat. She's like, yeah, she seems to have an irregular heartbeat. I was like, Oh, okay. Then, so I milked her out and she chilled in the pens with a fan in front of her the rest of the day, then got loaded up and taken home at night. Wow. That's yeah. That's yeah. when they do that. Yeah. It's, it's scary. Cause you, you never know. And especially I've, I've never seen in a regular heart before, let alone in a goat show when you really can't do much. Pretty cool to have a fiance. That's a vet. Yeah. I like her most days. So <laughs> did she remember your name? Yeah, she did remember my name, I think. <laughs> she didn't call me by my brother's name, so that's pretty good. Uh, probably, if, if your mom's like me, that happens all the time, that you get called by <laughs> brother's names, right? 
Yes, truth. Truth to that. But I had a great goat show. Again, don't really want to talk about it on the podcast because that's not what we're going to talk about. Um, Laura, how was your goat show? Well, now, wait a minute. You skipped something that was kind of an important thing that my what? nurse's heart wants to follow up on here. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So Thursday, I injured myself. Yes, I kind of forgot about that. I didn't have my outline up here. I was going to get straw. I was over at my straw guy's house. Love my straw guy to death. I played middle school baseball with the son. No, grade school baseball with the son. So we're pretty close. And he was getting his barn painted. And the painters had knocked some stuff off the barn. So there was a nail hanging out or a, um, a board with a nail hanging out there. And I just, I went to go do something or close the door and stepped on the nail. So that was a pain. Yeah, not good in hot, sweaty summertime. No, it wasn't. So I went to the doctor the next day, got a tetanus shot. Um, they gave me some antibiotics. So I am. I was playing hurt all weekend, and I could. Um, I hobbled around on Saturday and Sunday. I felt a lot better. So um, I'm on the mend, as they would say. But um, I don't suggest stepping on nails to anybody. And, and it's not my straw guy's fault or anybody else. It, it's it's just an accident. Crap happens. Crap happens. You're right. But That's- always safety first. Get that tetanus shot because, you know, it'd be really bad to be at the national show um, with red streaks running up your leg because you have septis- sepsis, you know. So, yes, I don't know what that. that means, but that doesn't sound good. They were I was more worried about the gangrene more than anything. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> right. So after this after this really hot show, Cameron, did you notice that your does um, like really dropped in milk quite a bit after you got home? No, not really. Our, a lot of our girls did a really good bounce back. Um, the girls that stayed at the show, because I had some goats that I was only showing on one day, the show was 15 minutes from my house. So I didn't sleep in the barn. I broke my own golden rule of not sleeping in the barn next to my goats um, the night before the show. And then I um, and then I, I brought had some goats at the house that I was showing on day two, not on day one. And then some goats that I was showing on day one, not on day two. So I was trailering them back and forth at night. Um, what I found is that the goats made more milk that were at the show than the goats did at the farm. Interesting. Why do you think that was? Maybe it's a mindset thing. I don't really, I'm not really a hundred percent sure on that. Um, they looked pretty good. Uh, come showtime, you know, we were very happy with how they were. Maybe, we maybe we took too much milk out of them that um, you know. I think uh, my dad did all the uttering for those guys, and then I did all the uttering for the other girls. So um, you know, it. I'm not a hundred percent sure what happened because it was hot out, and I just saw none of my goats eat hay. Um, and I think Laura, that's probably true with you at uh, your show, right? Right. Yeah, we were. Um, you know, at that. We were at that hot show also, and we went to a show in Southern Missouri, and uh, it was just an awesome show. That that crew down there, Donna Corkle and and all those ladies at the south at the Southwest Missouri Dairy Goat Association, they put on a really awesome four ring show. And so, um, but very hot, nice facilities. They've got a lot of updates to their facilities, but you know when it's ninety six degrees outside, it's just hot. I mean, you just it's there's just nothing else you can do about it. So um, 
what we found, the does traveled there fine and they looked really great that first day. What we ran into, I, <laughs> I ran into, I ran into two problems and I'm going to share them, even though they don't necessarily make me look that great because I think everybody makes mistakes sometimes. Uh, when we were loading up, I said, Hey, let's grab three bales of hay for the number of goats we had. And, and, um, one of my daughters said, Oh mom, I think we can get by fine with two. Cause we also take chaff hay with us when we go. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll do it. Well, we should have brought three cause we ran short on hay that second day and my goats were eating hay. And so we were just, we were just out. So, so that affected us. And the other issue that we kind of ran into was uh, the show ran so late. It was five 30 when we were in oh. best in show for the senior show. Ugh. Yeah. And so, Ugh. um, you know, I, again, that's not what this podcast is about. I had no. two different does who are in the best in show lineup. So they got milked out you know, right before we went in. Um, and normally that would be plenty of milk for an eight o'clock ring the next day. But I think the really hot, um, uh, temperatures coupled with the fact that I was out of hay and the fact that, this was our fourth weekend in a row of showing. They just, they just did not make milk at all on that second day. So animals that were um, tops on Saturday were bottoming their class on Sunday. So I'm like, okay, this is a fun lesson to learn when you have a tiny little herd and you don't have animals you can switch out for two days. You really need to be a little more careful with what you're doing. So um, well, yeah. You know, yeah. Lesson I learned. Think that's, you know what it, it is. And you know what you don't, Unfortunately, you have to learn the hard way sometimes. But as long as you had a good time, um, that's what is important. That's why we show the goats. Remember that. That's right. We did have a good time. And I will say this, too. Um, I want to go back to not staying in hotels because I think I could have. I think there were maybe some things I could have done to mitigate some issues had I been there overnight. But I got to tell you, after a long day of showing and then we had juniors after the senior show on Saturday. so it was. 940 before we left to get supper and that it that hotel room was nice and cold and that bed was comfortable so i you know you you gotta you gotta take your punches when you get them and learn your lessons so that it was, it was a great weekend so uh, that is the truth i will tell you what i there is nothing i enjoyed more than getting home saturday and taking a shower and falling directly into my bed and then knowing I had the sweet opportunity to show goats the next day. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that would be nice. I would like to, I would like to have a show that close to my home sometime. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I agree on that. And I understand you met one of my friends as well at the showdown in, in uh, Missouri. Right. So I want to give a great big goat gab shout out from Cameron and I to Caden Nip and his family of Rondo's Ridge Dairy Goats. Um, They were pinned right next to me and we just had a great time talking goats and and uh, it was great to meet Caden. So he showed me the beautiful Kickapoo uh, dough that he brought to the show and it was just a lot of fun. So always like hearing from the people that listen to our podcast and what you like and what you don't like and what you'd like us to try. So shout out to Caden from us. Yeah. Yeah. Cade, Caden, you're an awesome dude. And, and, you know, it's always fun to hear feedback from the listeners, um, what you like, what you don't like. Um, but yes, it's, it's always fun to do that. And we wanted to shout you out there here. Um, also on my list here, I have milk test like tomorrow. Ugh. 
So you think they'll be okay for it? I think they'll be fine. We 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 did our between our twelve hour milk out this morning, and, and we're we're pretty good. We feel pretty good about it. So um, you know, it's it's always a risk, but it's really cooled down today here. We actually turned the AC off in the house, so um, really really nice. So uh, we'll see what tomorrow brings. Well, good luck. I need a test, and I am overdue. Um, my problem is I'm busy. The other people in my circle test group are busy and it's just really hard to get them scheduled sometime when people have time to get it done. So I don't know, maybe next year we might be looking at owner sampler or um, some, some other thing. I hate to do that because I love my, my test groupies, but we just have a hard time getting schedules made. Yeah. I think that's really hard um, with a lot of people. So just, just, yeah, and we have somebody from a dairy company that comes out because there's other there's cow herds around me surprisingly here in central Illinois. So um, we have our tester come out here. So um, Doug will come out and test us, and all will be good, good and happy with the world. So yes, but uh, and so we'll do that there. Then we'll turn around and do a goat show next weekend. Well, very cool. I do want to throw something out there, and I know that. Uh, you said something about the help you have at home. And I know you've got a lot of family members who pitch in and help with chores, but for those of us that, that have to look outside our immediate family for chore help, a huge shout out to those unspoken heroes, because those of us that need to uh, hat in our hand, ask somebody to kindly come chore for us. We couldn't go to shows if it weren't people who weren't for people who would come do that. So Thank you, all of you back there who um, you might not be in the ring getting the ribbons, but you're the reason why we can be in the ring getting the ribbons. So thank you to thank you to all the chore helpers out there. Yes, wholeheartedly agree there. Um, yeah, so I think let's talk about some ad good news. Transition right into that. Um, primary election results. Congratulations yeah, was, to all well, people out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um it looks like there's going to probably be some big changes in uh, the slate of the board of directors. Well, kind of we, looking, we hope we looking we at that because that's what the members have spoken for. Again, it's your voice out there. Um, you know, your voice has been heard. Um, congratulations to you, Laura, obviously for making the ballot as well on district five. So congratulations. Thank you to your dad as well in district four. I will pass that along to him. So, yes, but there was low no, low numbers, and I, I think that's kind of a trend every year. Don't you agree? Yes, but I was surprised by that, Cameron, a little bit. I don't know if – I don't know how you felt about it, but I just thought people were so up in arms about being upset with ADGA and upset with the way that things have gone lately. I really figured we'd have a better-than-usual turnout for the primary election, and I don't see that we really have. Well, I, I will say Edgar doesn't make it easy to vote either. I mean, it's a it's a ballot in an envelope, and then that ballot in another envelope with a sealed thingy. It's not an easy process. And I know there was a task force working on some type of online voting thing. I sure hope that happens. You know, Cameron, you're probably in some professional organizations um, outside of Dairy Goats, and I know that I am. They all vote online, and they're not... I don't see anybody worried about uh, signature cards or anything like that. You vote online and the vote stands. I, I don't know why ADGA can't do that. So I'm really hopeful that in the next year we'll see that change. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think I mentioned it before on this podcast here is I've got I own some stock. And obviously, we as mem- members of a publicly traded company, you get a vote on things. All everything that I get have to vote on as a member of a publicly traded company, owner of a pu- publicly trained company or traded company comes through email. I just click it, go right to the proxy voting system. And it's simple and easy and out of the way and official. Yeah, I think we've got to move to that because people just they just can't. It is just so hard to vote otherwise. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I would definitely say if you are interested in the future of ADGA and, and the way that things go, make sure that you find out who's been nominated in your district, wherever that is. Talk to the candidates, find out where they stand on things, find out what, you know, what's driving them to become a director and then make sure that you send in your ballot when it comes. Those those uh, ballots will come out in July. So make sure that you get your voice heard. Yes, I agree. Also on the ADGA front as well, the adjusted ADGA office hours. This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, that they're only answering the phone Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 8 to 12. Which, you know, to me, I have to sit in there and think, okay, I'm in central time zone. So that translates to set from seven in the morning to 11, which actually works fine for me. I can call on the way to work if I had a question, but I really worry about our friends over on the West coast. That's just almost not workable. Yeah, I agree. I mean, heck, look at that. It's like nine o'clock. It's like nine o'clock. And you know, if you've got kids out the door, or if you've got a, well, I guess it's not school season, but if it was, you know, that, or maybe you're choring still on that, or it's just really not a feasible thing. If you're on the the East Coast or on the West Coast, excuse me. So that's bad. And it's interesting as well. And think about it. You're a livestock registry um, service, basically, and you need to have good customer service. But when you're only allowing a short window for customers to contact you, is that good customer service or does that meet the needs of the people that you're supposed to serve? Exactly. And I'm, you know, I I can understand partly why they're doing that because I know what it's like when the phone rings off the wall, you can't get anything else done. But I also agree wholeheartedly with what you just said. That's how people communicate with you. You know, they're not able to get an answer by email. How else are they supposed to call with a question about something? You know, if they can't call... How do you communicate? So I I hope that this is a very short term thing and that they can quickly get things caught up so that things can get back to normal. And and the the office people at ADGA, I have nothing but praise for how kind they are when you're able to get through and you can talk to them and um, they'll usually fix your problem quickly or tell you why they can't. Uh, but it's getting through is very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's. That's the thing. And again, that's my two cents there. I'm not employed by ADGA. I'm just a concerned citizen. Um, There are a couple of postal ballots that hopefully will help some known issues or help make things a little bit easier for ADGA. Um, they're, They're both kind of more towards show issues, but one is concerning transfers or tattoo issues. Like if you have to retattoo an animal or those animals that are CHs that haven't had that added to their papers yet. You can, it's to allow you to write those on and have those work as a stamped duplicate. So that's an interesting postal ballot. And I probably didn't explain it in the depth that it needs to be, but it is out there for you to read if you want it. 
I'm not I'm not 100 sure that CH SGCH designation would work. I mean, um, yeah, lots of questions on that. I'm sure um, the postal ballot is more researched than what we are presenting it as. Is that if that makes sense, Laura? You know, it does. And and you probably have some of the same concerns about this that I do, because my thought was kind of, um, okay, so what if you really don't have a, a CH, you just think you do, or you're wanting to say you are? Well, uh, you're not going to get a leg out of it. So it really just kind of harms you if you're if you're trying to pull the wool over on somebody. I I don't know. Well, I don't quite I mean, understand what, what if I want all, I, hypothetically, I would want my whole herd to be CHs. What if I write the CH on all of my papers and send them to Adka and say, make these champions after all this is done? You know, are they going to go back and double check all this paperwork? I would hope so. But who knows? I would and, hope so. Yeah. I would think they yeah. have to. Yeah. I, Which, yeah, I would hope in so. In turn, create creates more work for them, you know? Right. I, I worry sometimes that some of these solutions are like robbing Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> so yes. eventually it's going to make so much more work, but I, you know, <laughs> there are wiser folks than I am behind some of this. So I'm, I'm just going to try to trust that it's going to work out. Okay. I trust think the other the process, the yep. other postal ballot that I know is, is open and out there is concerning the embedded youth show at nationals allowing um, youth to show on sign transfers, which they never have before. So I, you know, I think that makes sense for all those kids that have bought animals and want to show them at Louisville and aren't going to be able to show them in the youth show. I think that's, that's a helpful thing. Yeah, definitely. It is. And one of the, I would say one of the more helpful things that has came out of this whole mess here, but talking about national show, I think that's a perfect transition into our topic. Don't you? Yes, let's get into our topic this week. I, I'm yes, excited we about kinda, this. We kind of rushed. I would say we kind of rushed through everything because we wanted to talk about this because we have a lot to talk about, I think. Um, we're going to talk about the national show. We're going to mostly focus a lot on the prep work because I truly do believe, and I think Laura feels the same way, 90% of the work for the national show comes before the GOAT show. Don't you agree? Yes, yes. And I think, you know, our, um, our friends who do the other Dairy Goat podcast, Ringside, they shared a lot of information about the national show, but I think back to the very first year that I went and it happened to be at Louisville. There are so many things, little details that I wish that I had known about prepping for the national show, about entering for the national show and about getting there that I had no idea. And I really kind of went blind. So we're hoping that maybe if we can share some ideas with you, uh, you'll you'll put that prep time in, and we are a month away from the nationals right now. So you've got a month to kind of get your stuff together and get going. So I think I think that uh, I hope that this is a good topic for everybody. Yeah, and even if you aren't going to the nationals, I hope there's going to be some nuggets of wisdom to pull out. Whether you're going to a big show or maybe you're trailering the goats to uh, at a longer distance, maybe where you have to travel multiple days, or maybe you're going six plus hours and you feel the need to stop somewhere and, and, and relieve your dose or something like that. So again, we're, we're not trying to just focus on the national show here, but that's kind of the main topic. However, we want there to be nuggets of information you'd pull out for other shows as well. Don't you agree, Laura? For sure. Yes. So we'll talk about the planning steps here. The first, I, the first consideration is how many animals do you take? Yeah, so for a smaller herd like I have, Cameron, that's not a terribly difficult question. 
for a larger herd like yours, and especially where you have more than one breed, what's kind of your thought process behind that? How do you how do you decide who stays and who goes? My thought process is different than probably other people, I would say. My thought process is which goats do we think would most represent us the best if taken to a national show? And I think that's really important to consider because, I mean, it is the national show. There's the grandiose, the pomp, the circumstance um, of it all. But remember, the goats really are a reflection and a representation of you of, of your work that you put in on a day-to-day. So really make sure you're picking the best ones that represent you, your breeding program, and your hard work the best. And I'm not saying you need to enter five in a class, or I'm not saying just take one in a class. I'm saying take the goats that you think are best going to represent your herd. Laura, what are your thoughts? So I I would agree with that. And, and for some people, especially if you haven't been breeding for a whole long time, you may stand back and look at your herd and say, okay, I've got does in every age class, but my shining stars are really my two-year-olds and my yearling milkers. Those are the animals that are my future. Those are the ones that have the look that I've been working for. These showcase what my breeding program is. Don't be afraid to take them. Are they going to go with a two-year-old or a milking yearling for national champion? In most breeds, that would be very rare. Do you feel like that that's a, a, good statement to make? Yeah. Yes. I would say 95% of the time, the two-year-old will not get looked at. I am, I am saying this because I have had a national champion as a two-year-old. So that's the caveat there to my statement. And that's why I said 95% yearling. Yeah. It would take a very, very, very impressive yearling in order to do well. There have been times when a yearling was reserved national champion, but yes. But most of the time, that's not going to happen. But, you know, if those are your best animals, that's what you want to take. I even, even if they are the younger animals, take them and show them off. Yeah. So, for example, for me, I think the most we're going to take in a class is four. Because we believe these four are best going to represent us well. And then other classes, we might take less or more or, or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, again, it's all about what do you want your herd to represent on the biggest stage. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I also think too, as you're thinking about what you want to take, remember what your resources are. So if you have a small trailer, you may not want to take a whole bunch of animals that are going to be crowded and not have a good trip. That's, yep. that's going to be difficult. Yep. For I'll, I'll throw an example here. My fiance's trailer not that big. She can probably only, if she get crams, crams them all in, she can get like 25 goats in there, which is tight. And she can only take that on short trips. But for a national show, because she has to drive a little bit longer, ideally she would only want to take 10 to 15 in that trailer realistically to trailer them, you know, four plus hours. Right. Yes. And, you know, you also have to remember you're going to be there for a week. So, You've got tack to take, you have supplies, you have things that you need to keep yourself and your animals comfortable. So that impacts the amount of space that you have also. Yeah, I agree on that there as well. Laura, let's get something out of the way here. Okay. How many goats are you projected to take? I will be totally honest, Cameron. I have not really sat down and looked it up. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that I'm taking seven milking does. 
and probably four kids. And that's it. And again, remember my herd, I, I'm milking 12 and three of those are Sonnens. We're not taking any Sonnens this year. So, you know, that's, that's a really small number of animals to take. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I'll be very transparent and honest with mine. Uh, we're going to plan to take about 18 milkers. Uh, um, and you just tell me if I'm crazy and then we will take about 16 kids. That's what we counted today. And then the three dry yearlings. So that makes 37 goats. Yay. Um, that's two breeds or one breed. That's two breeds. That's two breeds. Yep. All right. I don't think that sounds outrageous. No, it's not the largest number we've taken to a national show. We took 55 one year. We were crazy. Um, we've taken 43. You know, 37 will feel like a breeze compared to 43. But I will say after about, you know, 30 goats, the work just is pretty much the same amount. <laughs> kind of like having children. After three, you don't <laughs> notice anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah, for sure. So, well, and, and, and Cameron, just for a point of reference, you have a gooseneck trailer. Yes, I do. And it's how trailer. long? So my gooseneck is about 32 feet long. And in addition to being 32 feet long, we are a double-decker trailer. So we can store tack area in the in the back, in the middle top, middle top, tack, back top, middle top, and then front top. Yeah, see, I have a 16-foot um trailer it's a bumper pull so you know there's just you got to know what your resources are there's no way i could probably fit 30 goats on my trailer i wouldn't want to fit 30 goats on my trailer yeah yeah i mean and if we fit 30 goats on our trailer our trailer looks a little small like it looks at kind of empty <laughs> right yeah there you go yeah, so. yeah so yes so i think is one thing as well as the financial constraint when you talk about resources as well when you're thinking about entering it is not cheap to enter this show especially the pens are the twi- do I remember right? The pens are 25 bucks a pen. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, and they're and, not, and, big- and tw- go ahead. They're not big. No, they're not big. They're not that big at all. Maybe a nice, you know, six by six, maybe. I think some of them are six by six and some are seven by seven. They've got some, gotcha. uh, the last time we were there, they were orange. Remember that? Yes, I do remember they were orange. Yes. So they have some new pins that I've heard and they're red. And okay. I believe they are seven by seven, but still okay. that's not a very big pin, especially for some big standard sized does to hang out all week. Yeah. So, you're exa- you know, exactly you, you don't right. want to scrape on your pins. Yep, two to two to three goat, two to three goats. But I mean, you enter four pens and you take eight goats. It's a hundred bucks right there. So, not including a tack pen. So, those pens add up fast as well. There. Um, so again, that's one thing to consider. I think it's twelve fifty to enter in a um, good class, a regular class, and then seven fifty per group class. Yeah, that does get pricey. Yes. But think about it as well. It's kind of the same thing. If you go to a, a two ring show and it's $6 per ring, I mean, it's basically the same price. It is. You're right. That's, that's true. So, so you got to put it in perspective. Yeah. That's a little perspective there, but well, I think one thing as well is you have to manage your sanity because you're there for a week. 
Yes, you're there for a week with, you know, as much as you love your family or your friends that might go with you, you got to remember it's a stressful time. You're away from home. Um, there's the stress of the show. There's the stress of animals looking well or animals being sick or, you know, drama. Heck, it's a goat show. There's usually some kind of drama, right? Oh, I love the drama. <laughs> so, you know, your sanity may be your limiting factor. Yeah. I agree on that. There have been years where, you know, I can do, I can do the the 43 and be fine. But by the end of the week, you're kind of sick of it. I mean, and that's no offense to, you know, the person who decided to enter 43 goats, but the big thing (laughs) is that, is that, um, the, that you need to be able to make sure that there, you can do all the work there as is because, there could be an emergency that happens and then your dad and mom are at the emergency room until, you know, four o'clock in the morning, the night before the La Mancha show and your grandparents and you guys are trying to figure out how to manage all 55 goats. So. Right. And things happen at home and maybe all of a sudden you got to get out of there. How, you know, what kind of a plan do you have? So there's, there's just a lot of things that can happen. So you need to keep that in the back of your mind that the number of animals that you bring have to be manageable. You, you have to not make yourself crazy, as we said, taking care of them. Yeah, um, I think is. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to talk about the multiple breeds aspect. Yes, that's what I wanted you um, to talk about. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so multiple breeds. So I think it depends where you are in your breeding program of where you want to be. Um, you know, if you want to be competitive on both levels, on both levels and both breeds, you're going to need to bring, you know, as many as you think can be competitive. Um, but if you want to say, Hey, I really want to focus on, you know, for example, my, my Nubian breed instead of my La Mancha breed, you know, maybe bring more Nubians and, and focus on showcasing those. I think it's whatever your personal preference is. There's been times when we've taken more Alpines and then we've taken six, we've taken like 15 Alpines and six La Manchas. And that's been okay. Um, the La Manchas ended up doing better than the Alpines did. Um, but just remember what it's, what your prerogative is, but you also have to be aware of what day do they show? Right. If you know your, your two breeds are both shown at the same time, boy, I would be thinking really hard if you really want to show both breeds that year. I think that would yeah. be almost undoable. Wouldn't it? Um, I, you would need some really good friends, which reminds me if you're, if, if you haven't started asking people to show your goats at the national show, we'll start asking them, please don't be looking the day of, or, or like, don't, or looking ringside for it. Like, no, uh, uh-uh. I mean, I've got roped into showing some goats in some classes before, but it's, it's not fun. No, it's not fun for you as an exhibitor thinking, oh, crud, I got to find somebody to show for me. And it's not really fun for the person you ask because maybe they wanted to just put their feet up and take a break for a minute and they, you know, feel kind of obligated. So make those make those plans ahead of time, just like Cameron Mm -hmm. said. Yes, yes, please. I know I'm lining up my handlers now as we're doing entries because I know, for example, you know, if I have four in a class, you know, if it's myself my dad, Catherine, and then I'll need an extra person, you know, maybe it could be a certain co-host on Goat Gab. Well, your co-host on Goat Gab would love to do that if I don't have anyone (laughs) in that class. It's a sable, don't worry. (laughs) Well, and you know that, I guess that kind of brings a little uh, side note on that too. Yeah. There are different levels of what you're hoping to accomplish at a national show. Like for me, I'm going to be really, really, really over the moon excited 
if I can make the top 10 with my milking does. That's, that's kind of my, my daughters and I have talked, that's what we want to be at. But that probably wouldn't be a goal, Cameron, that would be a real happy one for you. I mean, you kind of expect to make top 10, right? So well, I think, oh, I, I, I think, you know, if you've been to, I've been to a national show, I would probably say over 15, 15 times. And Laura, you've been to a national show, what, seven times you counted seven. recently? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was, that goes back to when you growing up, right. And you were with Willow Run, right? Right. Yes. So, yes. well, so, even before uh, that, yeah. 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 Not very many times. <laughs> yes. Well, it is a lot though. It's more than a lot of people probably have been to. So um, I think the biggest thing is that you kind of got to know in the back of your mind, if you've been to a national show before, you kind of know where you're going to place. And so I can go through my herd and say, okay, I think this goat is a top three doe at nationals, or I think this goat is, um, you know, a top seven doe at nationals, or this one gets a ribbon or something like that. And, but I think that takes time to develop and kind of see that eye. Don't you agree? I do. And I also know that as, as happy as I might be with my own breeding program at different years or at different times, I also know that realistically, because I have a herd of about 25 goats, period, that includes bucks and babies and and no-show does and everything, it really is not a number potential that I could be a premier breeder at a national show. It would be very difficult for me to do that because I don't have the numbers and I'm okay with that. So I guess my point in saying that is you should go into a national show um, with a realistic with a realistic goal, you know, placings are great. Anybody can get a top placing with the right animal. Just know that you're probably not going to walk out of there as the premier breeder of Nubians. If you only walk in with seven milking does. Yes, correct. That's, that's probably correct there where, you know, my goal in, in both of my breeds really is to shoot for that level of premier success, premier exhibitor, premier breeder, you know, potentially get a, 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 a um, a a premier sire award, you know, that's kind of my goal at the end of the day is to look at some of those larger awards that you have to build up points for. Right. And I know that I can't, I just don't have the, the animal power behind me to do that yet. Maybe a someday goal. I'd love to do that, but Mm -hmm. it's fine to have different goals. One isn't a bigger loftier goal than the other. It's just where you are in your breeding program. So you're exactly right there. One thing I think you have to remember when you're entering your goats are your group classes. So talk about that a little bit, Cameron, because I'll be honest, I have entered group classes before. And by the time it came up, I'm like, uh, I'm scratching. I'm done. I don't want to be out there for the next hour. So, so talk about why you feel that's an important thing. So I'll tell the story first here. So whenever, you know, we would have a less than stellar national show, which, you know, it, it could happen this year. You never know. My dad would just be like, just throw his hands in the air and be like, scratch them, scratch them all. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're doing this. But OK, so, <laughs> so we, we, we say that all the time at Goat Shows when we're mostly as a joke to him now to scratch him, scratch them all. Um, but um, I, I think group, group classes are very important and they're not just important to um, you as an exhibitor, but I think it's where you can really evaluate some of your um, more desirable traits in a breeding program. So think about a dairy herd. You can see the consistency there in animals. And as an exhibitor, as an outside spectator, these are the classes you want to watch because this will show, okay, 
who just doesn't have just one goat, but who has four goats that are consistent in their type and can do well as a herd unit. I think that's what's really neat about the group classes there. And that's why I encourage a lot of people to watch them because those people generally have a consistent breeding program that do well in those group classes. I also think too, when you look at those senior get of sires and junior get of sires, um, if you're looking for a new herd sire, that is really a nice snapshot of what different sires can throw. Cause usually I, I'm going to say, usually if they have a good showing at a national show, you're going to be able to buy semen out of that sire from somebody, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and that might be something that, you know, you really need in your herd that, that group of, of animals out of that sire may be outstanding in an area that your herd is not. So I, I would agree with that. Look at that. Look at that class. I mean, it, they're marketing tools as well. Think about it. Like, wow, I, you know, I'm getting a bucket out of a doe that was first place produce of Dan with the national show. You know, that means, okay, you know, this go, obviously there's consistency in those lines. If, if, if they're, if it's a doe from the first place produce of dam or, um, or it's from, you know, the first place get of sire, you know, it's, it's a marketing tool as well to say my goats were third place junior get of sire at the national show. Absolutely. So Cameron, when you think about um, what kids that you want to enter or what dry yearlings that you want to enter, what are some things that you look at as far as criteria when you go out and look in your herd and you, and you see all your dry does, what makes one be chosen over another one? Literally did this today. Um, And it, so we were evaluating them primarily on the strength of their feet and legs because generally those won't change much over time. As you look at it now, obviously we're a month out from nationals, but one strategy we're doing right now is my dad is actually sitting downstairs doing all of the entries right now. He's going to click save, but he's not going to submit his entries at all. So that will give us at least two, two more weeks ish to evaluate our animals and see how those kids fill in. Cause kids are going to change. But I think going back to the question, I think the first thing is strong feet and legs. That is very important. And I think, too, we've all seen it happen. Kids that look great at home go down on their pasterns or, um, you know, get stressed out. And that causes those feet and legs to, you know, maybe show a little bit of stress. If you're starting out with animals that are a little iffy in that area anyway, that's not going to turn out well for you. Yeah, we had to go. uh, We evaluated kind of had a little bit more shallow of a heel and we're like, and this one's kind of on the fence. I kind of want to take her. My dad kind of doesn't. She's interesting. She's a real interesting girl. Laura, I have to tell you it off microphone, but um, she, but she's kind of just really shallow at her heel. And we're like, well, let's just kind of see what happens with her as time progresses. And if that, she, if that heel comes up or not, but I think solid confirmation is always kind of where you want to be when you're picking kids. <laughs> So do you look at kids that you've maybe taken to some larger local shows and they've been top winners? Do they get maybe a little more of an eye than another kid might? Yeah, I I, I think so. Um, But I I, I think it kind of goes back to what is your eye and what is your style and what do you want to, what do you like as well? Because maybe you haven't taken kids out to a goat show yet. And in the national show, like many times in our area, the national show is the first time we take kids out to a goat show. Um, so I, I, I think proven winners is a great way to look at things as well, but realize that those proven winners might not be the might not be winners of the national show. Good point. 
So um, one thing as well as age, do you want to be the oldest in the class, the youngest in the class? One thing I will say is don't expect, you know, maybe a June 1st kid or a, a late May kid to be really competitive in the uh, junior kid class. That generally doesn't happen. No, I, you know, we hate to think that any judge would just look at size and line them up that way. But a lot of times it's easier to evaluate those bigger kids. They move better. They, they stand better, maybe because they are older and they've been in the show ring a few times, or maybe it's just a maturity thing with them. But, um, you know, if you know that your kid's already on the smaller side, unless she's just really outstanding, you might think twice about taking, taking her, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I agree on that. But I think as you get into your older classes, you know, think about it. Is is the goat that was born on March 5th going to impact a goat versus on March 31st? You know, show, showing in that intermediate kid class. Yeah, there might be a difference in size there. But think about general correctness as well. And whether, again, do you think it's a good representation of your herd? Right. No, I think that's I think that's a good thing to keep in mind there. Um, and and. Also realize as well, and we've had a lot of national show kid winners classes here. You're probably not going to have the biggest kid in the class and realize that's okay. Good. That's a good thing to know. Yeah. I, that's one thing I will say, because we think our kids are big. And then all of a sudden we get to the national show and there, there are huge kids out there. And we're like, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> yeah. As my husband says, that's got to be a West coast goat. Look how big it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um you know I, I think about taking kids or dry stock too as as non-show animals and you may see this as well do you have you had experience with this taking kids there that might be non-show animals i have because sometimes you have kids that uh, if, again a small herd like i've got if you're taking um all your milking does to the show you might have a kid that still needs to be on milk and, and maybe you don't want to leave it at home or for whatever reason, or, or, you know, you don't trust them at home or, or they're not happy about feeding kids on milk. So you might have to take some animals that are non-show animals. I do want to point out the fact you still have to enter those. They have to be yep. on your health papers. You have to pay a fee for those non-show animals. They have to be tattooed and registered. And guess what? you pay out the nose for non-show animals. So try to yep. figure out every way you can not to take them. It would be my advice. Or if you have to take them, you can enter them in the class for the 1250 and then scratch them hmm. the day of. And you know what? There is no rule saying against that. Good to know. Yes. So I'm just, that's a little pro tip there for the people here. Um, one thing, and this is a great point to bring up is stamina of the handlers. And it's not just in kids and dries. It's in, in those other classes as well. Those classes get long, 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 long. They do. And I want to throw this out here as a mom. Um, I know the first national show that I went to, uh, my youngest daughter, I think was only seven, seven at that show. She was little. And so my thought was, oh, she can take her junior kid out there. That would be fine. You might think about that if that's what your goal is. You know, it's great to let kids show it at a national show. I'm all for youth involvement. I think that's awesome. But really prepare your kid that they can't leave the ring if they need to use the bathroom. Or if they get tired of showing, you got to stay out there until you're done. 
So they're long. (laughs) Yeah, they, they are long, especially in kids. Um, Again, we're kind of focused on kids here is, is the classes tend to get bigger as they get older, excluding some years when there's only one Toggenberg senior kid. But, um, you know, the classes tend to get, and I think about Alpines, Nubians, Nigerians, you know, those classes get, get longer as they've, as they've been, as they get older. Right. Yes, that's true. For sure. And then the dry yearlings, there's always like 40 of them. Yeah. Right. Alpine wise. Alpine wise. And they're always so well behaved. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> right. so one thing as well is make sure your goats are properly walked. Maybe you've done a practice sessions at home or they've been to other shows really making sure that they are walking properly. And again, they are the best representation of your herd because at the end of the day, one, you don't want to be a fool and slip the collar off the national off, off the goat as you're coming in the, the line Two, you want to make sure that they're walking properly. So they are the best accurate representation of your herd. Right. And it makes you feel really stupid. If your animal is walking on their hind feet around the ring, I've been there. Yeah. So, Yes, and that's just not a national show thing. That's all shows, really. <laughs> For sure. That's right. That's right. Yes. Do, I think the do you la- look at- Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say the last thing I think we're going to talk about on the kid slash dry doe selection is Junior yet a sire. Right. So just like any other show, Cameron, right? You want to choose three does out of three different dams, if at all possible. Yeah, that's kind of a strategy, but I, I think – the best thing is the most consistency. You need the most consistency of type before you really focus on the amount of dams. Okay. That's a good thing to think about. That's that's kind of my two cents on it is because I get it. You want to see diversity and, and judges like to see that. But I think at the end of the day, you want more consistency than you want diversity. True. So that's that's kind of my two cents on the junior get a sire. Also with the best three as well, do not just pick your best three kids because sometimes that doesn't work out. Make sure you have the most consistency of the type of animals. You are looking for consistency rather than three goats that don't really look like they go together. I see. So even if they're all three class winners, if they don't have the consistency of type that you're looking for, um, you might rethink that. Yep, we've done that before. We've had multiple class winners before, but they didn't really look like they went together. So that one, one of those class winners got yanked. So I, again, it's it's all about consistency in those group classes and consistency in and of all three does. So when you look when you look at does that you want to take that are senior does, moving on to milkers, do you yep. have different criteria looking at that, Cameron? Yeah. Uh, I, Kind of, but again, I think it all starts with, again, what are your expectations for the seniors? Maybe, I know I have very different expectations for the seniors than I do the juniors sometimes. Okay. So I think that, again, what's your expectation? Do you want to stand top 10, top 5? Do you want to win the class with this dough? You better have a pretty spectacular dough if you think you're going to win a class. and Or, um, you know, do you just want to get a placing? Or do you just want to make the cut? Or do you want to get a ribbon? Ribbon ribbon is always a good goal as well. That's right. Even the dreaded brown one, right? <laughs> Who the heck decided let's have a, a poop-colored ribbon for eighth place? You know, I like eighth place. It's all right. So it's okay. <laughs> it's top ten. It's top ten. That's right. That's right. Uh, one thing I, I think as you read the rules – 
uh, think about whether or not, if you have multiple people in your family that um, own goats, if you want to show as a designated herd unit, or if you want to not show that way. So I think that's a decision that you have to make when you enter your goats. Isn't that correct? Yes, you have to do that. So for example, my herd, I have a, I have a membership. My dad has a membership. My on all three of my brothers have a membership. So we all have different memberships and we've all registered goats, bred goats, but we function at and own goats. So we all function under a herd unit as Kickapoo Valley, but for consideration for premier breeder, only the one person, the breeder on the certificate, would be considered that for to get points for Premier Breeder. Very interesting. Okay. Yes. Yes. So um, I think about milking does. The biggest thing about milking does is who's going to milk your goats at home. Hmm. <laughs> I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna get onto that later on in the episode. Um, but think about that as well when you're making placings there i mean you can always scratch your animals from the show pay the 1250 if you need to take them because somebody's not home to milk them for you yep that makes sense to me one thing i did want to point out um and i've been told this is true cameron you can confirm or deny this in that age doe class so that's the eight and over class Mm -hmm. they don't cut that class is that correct I I mean I've never seen it cut. I've also only ever seen like the most amount of goats I've ever seen is like fifteen in that class. Okay, so maybe that's why it didn't get cut is because they had they didn't have over twenty in there. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. I I you know generally if you think about it, there's there's always less yearling milkers because everybody keeps their goats dry. I don't understand why because you got to feed them longer. Um, and then there's a bunch of two year olds. There's and then the the breed the numbers kind of get smaller as you progress all the way up to that senior uh, that that seven and older class, right? Okay, that's generally the size of the classes there. So for me, we're we're gonna have a couple of those stay home at national from nationals um, because one a couple of them are barn bums and two the other <laughs> one just I mean we just we don't think that's the that that goat would represent us that well on a national scale. Um, so that's the reason why she's not going to go to the national show. I think that makes all kinds of sense. And hopefully, hopefully as you all are thinking about animals that you want to take, or maybe want to leave um, our thought processes might help you out a little bit as you sort your own herd in that way. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's and Laura, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's very hard to sit here and say, well, your goat needs to be milking nine pounds in order to go to the national show. I don't think there's any way to quantify it besides saying, if this goat represents you, go ahead and show it. I would agree 200% with that. Yes. So sorry if that does not help, or maybe it does help. <laughs> There's no magic formula, unfortunately. Not at all. No. So, so anything else about those entries, or are we ready to move on to a little more of on. the nuts and bolts? Okay. Nuts and bolts. So how long of a drive is it for you, Cameron, to get to Louisville? I think it's about- I was just thinking about this as we were recording. I think it's like five and a half ish, four and a half. Okay. I don't know. Tell me how long it is for you. It's just shy of eight hours. So okay. the first year that we drove it, um, we left at nine o'clock at night because it was really hot. And our thought was let's, let's drive while it's um, dark outside. The goats will stay nice and cool. 
we should get there. You know, we might stop and sleep for a couple hours, but we should get there to Louisville because it happened to be at Louisville that year. We should get there in time to unload at seven in the morning. So uh, what we ended up running into was torrential rain and it took us about 11 hours to get there. So hopefully that won't be anybody's experience, but we're figuring about eight hours, eight hours to get there. Um, If you have youth traveling with you, they have to be checked in by one o'clock in the afternoon on Mm -hmm. Saturday. So you kind of need to plan accordingly to how long it's going to take you to get there. And, and of course, always plan for the unexpected to happen too. Oh yeah. Tire blowouts. Um, I will say the state of Indiana does not have the best roads. If you are going um, through Indiana and then South, the roads necessarily aren't the greatest in there. Um, So neither neither does Illinois as well. So again, two states you probably, Laura, especially you have to go through in order to do that well. But I think, um, if you're coming from a long distance, so maybe you're coming from the East Coast to the West Coast, you really need to start planning your trip a while ago. Right. And and think about, do you want to drive it straight? Do you have enough drivers that you guys can take turns? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm always one of those people that thinks that uh, it should be one person driving, one person to stay awake with them, and um, one person to sleep while you're going. So uh, think about, are you going to drive it straight or are you going to make stops and, and spend, spend overnights? And do you need to find places to do that? So you you definitely have a different philosophy than me because my dad is usually sitting in the truck and he's just sawing a log while I'm driving. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, I'm not saying that I'm I'm saying that's how I prefer to go. I'm not saying that usually happens because there've been many times where everybody else is asleep and I'm driving. So it's, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah. For safety yeah. reasons, it's always good to have somebody awake. Yeah, I, I agree on that there because the nights do get long. Um, but if you're coming from a long distance, I think the biggest thing is really setting up your, your schedule and when you're going to leave. Again, after you decide how you want to drive it, figure out how you want to do it. Um, do you want to break it up into multiple days? Do you want to take a couple days to get out there? Do you just want to haul butt and go? Um, what like What's your strategy there? And Laura, I guess... Knowing you're coming from eight hours away, I'm coming from four and a half. We're not going to stop at all. We're going to drive it straight through. You have goats on the trailer. Are you going to stop and milk out at all during your trip? It really depends on the weather. Okay. Um, we haven't we haven't decided if we're going to. I like driving at night. It doesn't bother me to drive at night. So if that's what we're going to do, um, we may stop after four hours. And at least give them some water and see how things are going, especially if it's hot, but may not milk out. And I've done it. I've done it both ways. Um, Traveling in the daytime, sometimes we do stop and milk out. So um, I'm just, I'm not real sure yet, but my gut feeling is we're going to travel at night and probably just stop to relieve, you know, relieve the does a little bit, maybe get them some water. Um, You know, I guess it depends on how tired people are, if they feel like they need to sleep. I don't know. Haven't yeah. quite, quite got that figured out. I can tell you this, though. When I've been on national show trips that were a lot farther of a drive, it's nice if you have to make it a couple days drive to really put that homework in and contact a county fairgrounds at some place that you want to stop. Many times they will let you stop and unload your animals there for not very much money. As long as you clean out your pens, they're fine with that. 
that's a great way to kind of rest your animals a little bit, rest the people a little bit and get back on the road in good time. Yeah, I agree on that. Again, it's just ask your network. And if you don't have a network, ask GoatGab because we could probably find someone for you to contact. Um, uh, you use your network in order to find these fairgrounds that would work just, I mean, we were on a day show Memorial day. Somebody asked, Hey, do you know any fairgrounds on this route coming to Louisville? Well, we found some, we did it, but we found somebody at the show that did that we were at. And then we hooked him up and there and boom, bada bing, bada boom. And it worked out. That is so cool. Yeah. So I, I think again, it's all about utilizing your network there. I know some people, for example, have stayed at friends farms going to the national show. So they just put up some panel that they have whip riding with them and their goats just hang out in the trailer and outside the, the thing there and the goats get to relax and the humans get to relax. And it's, it's kind of nice. For sure. Especially if you can get a hot meal and a shower out of it, right? The showers are the best part. We stayed at one of our uncle's house one time, actually. He had a giant pasture and we just let the goats on pasture. Don't ask me about how it ended, but it was nice in theory. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. Something else to just throw out there. Um, I've stopped in Walmart parking lots before. Okay. And milked goat milked goats out, slept for a little bit. If you if you notice in the summertime, a lot of times at Walmart's you'll see uh, like travel trailers that stay mm -hmm. there. Walmart typically doesn't have a problem with that because they know that those are the people that come inside and eat now or buy groceries or buy things that they might need. So uh, just remember, if you do choose to stop someplace like that, be mindful of the fact that you don't want people to feel badly about having you stop. So clean up as much as you can. Don't make a big straw mess if you can help it. And, and you know, be mindful of where you're stopping. Uh, sometimes truck stops are good places to stop because they're level and you can turn your big trailer around and you can um, find water and, yes. uh, you know, that I, might work for you too. A shower if you need to try to stay awake. Truck stops oh, often tr have showers. Truck stop showers. I remember the one time I took a truck stop shower. It was the best $20 I've ever spent. <laughs> Yeah, they're not and free, I, but they are. I, I, yes, and I was on the way to a national show, actually. Fun fact there for you. Um, but I think the biggest thing is when you're stopping is get your girls water, whether you're stopping for gas, for food. Make sure you stop somewhere where you can get water. Um, some gas stations have that. There might be a spigot at uh, a rest area or something. So make sure you get your girls water in the trailer if you're not traveling with it. Um, because I, water is just so crucial. And here's a little hint for you. If you are stuck and the only place that you can stop is a gas station and they don't have spigots outside, take a five gallon bucket and a small bucket, like a little quart bucket. Those will fit into any bathroom sink and you can painstakingly fill up that five gallon bucket with a smaller bucket. You're not going to yes. be able to get the five gallon bucket under the big, you know, under the, the hand sink, <laughs> but you, where there's a will, there's a way if you have the right equipment to do it. Mm -hmm. I agree on that. I think as well, if you, if you are taking a longer journey here, make sure you have easy access to your milking equipment. This is huge. Um, stands, very important. Buckets also very important as well. The third thing, which is not on our list, but I remembered some type of chair to sit in to milk. <laughs> Yeah, not on the ground. Yes, no. I've I've done that many times. Or it, we've used like a chain 
and, and we're like milking them on a chain tried tied to this the side of the trailer yeah it's not fun no and and honestly if you have somebody who's trying to hold a goat for you while you're squatting on the ground trying to milk them that is a disaster waiting to happen the goat gets spooked, the person lets go of it, and all of a sudden you're chasing a goat off of a, you know, around a heavy interstate or something like that. So have the equipment that you need to take care of your animals safely. So. Yes, yes, I agree. Make sure it's easily accessible. Yes. And I think one other thing to consider is who, who's coming with you? Like who is going to go to the national show with you? And I know there's limitations this year. On who, how many spectators you can go, and and can obviously know spectators or like uh, who is coming in your party, for example. Um, but really think about who's going to go with you, who's going to help you take care of the animals, and who's going to help you drive. Yep, yep. I I, I know a lot of people that don't feel comfortable driving a gooseneck, so I wouldn't bring them to a national show. Um, but <laughs> I go ahead, Laura. Well, I was I was going to add to that too, you know, don't feel like that you have to drive that whole way yourself either. Yes. Take some time. Maybe some of this month long preparation time is you help somebody who's going to go with you become comfortable pulling a gooseneck or at least, you know, have them out pulling the trailer a little bit down the road so that they know what to do if, if they need to, to drive because you can't for some reason. So yeah. do some preparation work that way too. One thing I want to say, is if you just drive, the trailer will follow. <laughs> That's a good thing to remember. <laughs> yes. So I think also you need to think about what you're doing at home um, in preparing your herd. And and I know that we've when we had our um, edition about showmanship, we talked about how important the work you do before you even get to the show impacts your success as a showman. Um, it's even more so when you think about getting your animals ready for a national show, um, what kind of things, Cameron, I know that you've mentioned about milking three times a day now. Uh, what other things do you do that kind of help prepare your herd to get ready for nationals? Yeah. So what we'll do here about a week before the show is we'll go, we'll find some rocket fuel. We'll find some, some little higher, a uh, little more expensive hay in order for them to do that. And, and we'll also find um, similar hay we're going to take to the national show. So one thing I, I really want to make sure of is that you are just consistent in whatever you're doing. Whatever you're going to be doing at the goat show is whatever you're going to be doing at home before the national show. So the girls, when they get there, obviously they're stressed. They're not shocked that anything is new and different. Same hay, same grain, same type of water. You know, make sure everything is consistent in order for them to say, hey, this is just like home. Right. Homeostasis, as you've said oh, in prior. Homeostasis. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Goats are definitely creatures of habit. So if you can make things as, as much like home as possible, they're going to do better for you. Yeah, I agree. One thing on the hay I'm going to say is potentially look at bringing two different types of hay. And there's a couple of reasons for this. One Maybe you bring that better alfalfa, that really good, that 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 candy hay that, that you just want to eat, that it looks like you could eat it. And then maybe you bring a lesser quality bale because it's a little cheaper. You know, candy hay ain't cheap. So, and there's a reason for this. So after your girls, especially if they're done showing in the middle of the week, you can start feeding that little cheaper hay. And that way it won't hurt the pocketbook so much. 
And sometimes it's almost like they get burned out on that really yep. good stuff, or at least mine do. Mine and do. it's almost like they're saying, I'm done with filet mignon. Just give me a crappy McDonald's hamburger. That's what I'm <laughs> hungry for. And uh, a little bit of that, that crappier hay, and all of a sudden they're back to blooming and doing great again. So it, it is good to have something to switch them around and, and maybe tempt them with something a little bit different. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, lesser quality so yep yep yes don't be afraid to bring some lesser quality hay but make sure you got the good stuff as well for before when they show it there um one thing as well kind of looking at that is we the goats that might have less than desirable feet let's leave it like that is we'll start casually hoof trimming them more as as we go to the show would you do you do that with some of your goats laura Yes, because I think all of us have those goats that maybe have one toe that's a problem toe and you forget about it until you don't forget about it because you've nicked the dang thing. So, uh, you know, a little bit of judicious trimming, maybe every week, trim a little bit more and trim a little bit more and don't get it so they're limping because you don't want them to go off feed. And and I have some drama queens. So if you even nick it a little bit, they act like you've cut their foot off. So do that plenty of time ahead so that you are not tempted to pick up those hoof trimmers at the national show and go to town. <laughs> yes, I agree there as well. Also think about your warming schedule, you know, um, maybe do a warming before the national show, maybe a couple weeks before as well. Or um, I don't know, Laura, what other types of parasite control would you suggest before a national show? Well, especially with your kids, if you think there's any chance that you've got a coccidia problem that maybe isn't enough to really affect the way they look, but just something in the back of your mind kind of makes you think, huh, I wonder, be on the safe side. Because we all know that when kids get stressed, that's when you're going to see a bloom of things like coccidia or barber pole worm or things like that. So, you know, just really be mindful of that before you, before you head out to a national show. Yeah, thinking about kind of keeping on this, you know, whole health process here. Vaccinations, Laura. What specifically are you? Are you going to do anything special for the nationals on you know an extra CD&T, some type of you know pneumonia treatment or anything else? Um. So I I know that I've mentioned this before. We we chose to do Enforce three this year. So so far so good. Haven't had you know, any snotty noses or sniffles or anything. Um, so I don't think I'm going to redose anything for that, but I am going to give another CD&T just because I know that I've had that problem in my herd before. It makes me nervous. I don't see that there's a reason not to give a third shot. And so we are going to do that before we go to nationals. Again, there, even though I'm trying to keep my feet and my hay and everything the same, it is a different environment. They're going to be stressed. I just want to try to mitigate anything that might happen. So will you do anything different, Cameron? No, probably not. Again, we gave that Enforce 3 um, earlier this year. They, everybody's had their second CD&T besides the little guys. Um, they'll get theirs next week. Yeah, next week, I think. Um, so we're not going to do anything for pneumonia or anything. Obviously, the Enforce 3, um, we, we like um, right now. So we're not going to do anything different. But remember, we are in a climate-controlled building for the national show. That is very different than what most goats are used to. Right. I know my barn's not climate controlled, unless you like no. Sahara Desert right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's that's the truth. So really think about, you know, maybe you might want to consider giving like an Enforce 3 or something. Um, I'm not going to push Enforce 3 on anybody, but that's maybe just a or some type of other type of vaccination protocol for pneumonia that your vet recommends. You know, we've got, I know, Cameron, I'm looking at our notes. We probably have two more pages of stuff and here we oh, are yeah. well over an hour. So I think this is going to have to be split up into a two-parter. Oh yeah, I think so as well. <laughs> but one thing I do want to hit on before we close, and it's still related to health related, it's talking about health papers. And I know yes. that that's always, that's always a concern every year at national show. And um, I, I've talked to several people over the past week that had some questions about what is required for a CVI, a certificate of veterinary inspection for the national show. Okay, please do tell. I am not aware. Okay. Well, one thing, it this is a little different than your regular health papers that your shows locally may or may not require. Um, but one thing you want to you want to print off what the national show rules are, and they're very clear about what is needed for health papers. Make sure you print that off, highlight the area that you need, and take that directly to your vet. Um, they want to do the right thing by you. They don't want you to, to get to the national show and be turned away because you don't have the proper paperwork. But I can tell you this, this is one area that the national show committee, there's no backing down on this. If you do not have the correct CVI, you will not be allowed to show your animals. You won't be allowed to unload your animals. They're correct. And we know. About it. I I will be the one ushering you out because I will be welcome. I will be a vet check. Uh huh. Okay. The so. well, the well. You know, you know somebody on the welcoming committee now. I would like to point out. <laughs> just say hi. It's it's be like Cameron from Go Gab, and I'll be like, yeah. Well, and and also, you know, it tells your vet in those directions. It gives them the number of the 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 state board of veterinary in Kentucky or whatever the official name is them, but they need to call and find out exactly what is expected to be on those health papers. So it's very specific. So your vet will want to call your health papers need to be made within 30 days of the national show. So don't try to fudge and get it extra early. Um, make sure that you have plenty of time and make sure that your vet signs that certificate. Um, one year yes. we got there and it was not signed and thank God, my vet, it was a Saturday. Thank goodness the vet hadn't closed yet because they close at noon. And I was able to have them fax back a signed copy. I didn't realize that they didn't sign it. So make sure that it's on there. Um, your CVI has to show the address of destination. And that's in that information on the national show rules. And you also need to have your premise ID number. And that's for this, the um, scrapey, scrapies. Yes. Scrapies. So they require that. Um, one nice thing, unless you are from this great state of Michigan, so shout out to our Mitten State friends up there. Yes. Um, you don't have to have any health testing. If you're from Michigan, you are the lucky ones that do have to have some extra health testing and and they tell you to call. So um, I, did I, I miss anything? No. I And going on the Michigan thing, Actually, I won't get in there because I think there's there's some drama around it, mostly from the cattle side of things. But um, the the thing is, is that don't just put your goats 
on that health paper that you think you're going to go to the Nationals, put some put some extra goats on there as well because you might have a substitution, but then you're like, crap, I can't substitute her. She's not on the health paper. Oh, that's a great point. Sure. Yeah, because, you know, crazy stuff happens. A goat comes down with a cough the day before or is pooping her guts out or something like that. So and you, you don't want to take, obviously, a sick kid. So make sure you have other goats on the health paper that you would maybe want to potentially sub in. Remember, only limited to three three substitutions this year. Dumb rule, in my professional opinion. But it is the rule, so I will respect it. Right. So um, don't wait to the last minute to talk to your vet about this. Have conversations starting now. Hey, amazing vet that I just love to work with. I'm going to the National Dairy Goat Show, and I need a CVI, and this is what needs to go into it. I'll get you a list of the animals here in a little bit, um, but let's make preparations now. Don't wait till the day before you leave and expect to get this all done because it's it's pretty involved. So, Excellent there. All right. I think that we will have a part two. No, I don't think we will have a part two out here um, sometime. Yeah, what we're, we're going to, so in our part, in our next part, we're going to get down to the real nitty gritty of things you want to know about the Kentucky Expo Center, um, about the pens, about what things to bring and what things you might consider. And uh, just all the things that, as I said before, what I wish I had known the first year that I went to the national show at that facility. So we really hope that, that um, these episodes are going to be helpful to you if you're going to go. And again, maybe it's not the national show that you're going to go to, but maybe you're planning to go to the North American International Livestock Exposition, which is in the same facility. So these things would help you anytime you might show at the Louisville um, Kentucky Expo Center. So. And then I think we'll have some general other stuff as well, um, day of prep or, or night before prep usually, or other things that we might do that might be helpful for those that go to bigger shows as well. But as always, we thank you for listening. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, keep keep grabbing us at shows. We like to hear from you. And uh, we're going to be doing our drawing in the next week to uh, get some merch, as my daughters call it, to um, – yes our folks who have um, liked and shared us on Facebook. So if you haven't gotten in there yet, jump in and do it. I think that'll be kind of fun. Yes. I have not done it. I will say. (laughs) Okay. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening.